Here's the 0-2 pitch. Got him swinging. Jaworin pumping his fist and showing the emotion. Galgan kicks and deals, and it's a line drive to short. Leaping grab by Kevin Smith. Now it is hit well, deep to center, backing up his wave, near the warning track, at the wall, he makes the grab! Swung on it, missed, he got him, and the Terps win! The Illini 27 winning streak comes to a close, and the Terps move on to the next round. The 2-2, curveball, strike three! The Terps have done it again! This time it's on the West Coast! The number one team in the tournament goes down as the Terps have ditched the gloves and they're dogpiling on the mound. Good evening and welcome to the second episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg here along with Matt Present, your Terps baseball broadcasters. We're going to recap the weekend that was, the series against Alabama. We'll chat with catcher and designated hitter Nick Sieri and tomorrow's starting pitcher, John Murphy. In later in today's episode. Yeah, so Jake, you were down to Alabama this weekend kicking off the season. A 1-2 and two performance for the Terps this weekend, but I don't think that's necessarily negative. I think they pitched well. I think they were in every game, and I think going 1-2 and two against an SEC school like Alabama opening up a stadium is nothing to be ashamed of at all. What were your takeaways from being there and watching this team play? Well, first off, the atmosphere down in Tuscaloosa was unbelievable. A brand new stadium, Sewell Thomas Stadium. I mentioned it on the broadcast several times. A $42.5 million project that was undergone by Alabama. They started the construction in 2014 and finished it really just earlier this month. So it's it's really a, as brand new a stadium as you can get for the 2016 season. So all the fans there, of course, very excited. All the players are amped up as well. The right field section with the students was, was loud and popping the entire weekend. And it's a, it's a daunting environment, especially for a Terps team that's pretty young. We've mentioned it in the preseason a lot, how there are 25 underclassmen on this team, 13 true freshmen. So for them to see their first game action this weekend in such an environment like that and still come through with a win and, and play well in the other two games, I think is a real testament to how far this team can go and how much potential they have. And I think it's really a, a note of encouragement for them that they were able to, to stick with this Alabama team who, yes, wasn't as good last year, but in recent years before that, made the NCAA regional four out of five years. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a quality opponent. There's no question about that. And I think we talked about last week on the podcast going into this Alabama series. We mentioned it with Rob Galligan is this really prepares the team long term. You know, maybe it's not the easiest series to start off a season. But come June, when they're in that kind of environment again, they're going to draw back on those memories and experiences and it's certainly going to help their confidence. So let's let's break down the weekend just a little bit, and we can start with the starting pitching. You had Shawarn going on Friday night, Taylor Bloom on Saturday, Brian Schaefer on Sunday, and all three pitchers, I thought, were, were pretty decent throughout the entire weekend. Shawarn obviously had the laps in the bottom of the first inning, gave up that home run to Chandler Taylor, and it was a nice shot right over the right field wall. But after that, Shawarn was pretty unhittable. He gave us just three hits on the night, and this was a theme throughout the weekend that I saw with Alabama is they weren't getting a lot of hits, but the hits that they were getting counted. Against Shawarn, three hits, but they scored two runs. Against Schaefer on Sunday, they just had two hits against him and scored two runs on that. Bloom obviously gave up a little bit more as he gave up eight hits, but yielded just the three runs, but he also struck out five. So all three pitchers really put in a, a solid performance. I would say that Shawarn, except for the home run, had the best performance. He 
held opponents to a 167 batting average on the weekend, which is exactly kind of where you'd expect him to be, and also had eight strikeouts. Yeah, and you mentioned that not giving up hits, and you go, okay, well, how are they getting runs? All three pitchers allowed just two walks. The team committed just one error, and you kind of scratch your head and go, well, how did Alabama win two out of these three games? Certainly timely hitting is key, and some teams you'll just run into that have it going that weekend or just kind of have a knack for getting the clutch hit, and I think that's what happened to some extent. But agree, going over the numbers, you've certainly got to be pleased. Now, there were a couple instances where the rust did show, and the walks actually, despite there being so few of them, did come back to bite Maryland. There was two straight walks from Brian Schaefer on Sunday. That ended up scoring a run. There were a couple hit-by-pitches that ended up yielding a couple runs for Alabama as well. In a Saturday game, there was a fly ball that went out to center field that was misplayed. That ended up giving Alabama two runs, and obviously the Crimson Tide didn't come back to win. The Terps put up six, and that was all they would need. But, but still, allowing those two extra runs is something that, while they could avoid it on Saturday, the other two days, they just didn't have the offense to come back with that. Yeah, and that's something that we'll watch moving forward. I think that, you know, we've mentioned it's a young team going up against an experienced SEC opponent in a new ballpark, a lot, you know, a lot of excitement there. But, you know, in seeing the depth that this team has at the plate, it's not something that concerns me long term. I, th- I think especially... You know, as we as we look ahead to this week, you know, tomorrow going up against VCU, a team that allowed 49 hits over three games last weekend, that's certainly a time for the Terps to hop on this VCU pitching staff and gain some confidence uh, moving into their first uh, home weekend series against Rhode Island. I was actually really impressed with the Terps lineup, despite the fact that they mustered just two runs in two of the games. The nine runs on Saturday was a nice offensive outburst, but what I liked the most about their batting order was the fact they have a lot of different options to go with. We saw Nickens in the first two games lead off and play in left field, and then on Sunday moved over to center, and that allowed Jamal Wade to get into the lineup in left field. He hit seventh, but they also shuffled a couple other things around. Beyondick moved from eight to nine. Justin Morris was in and out of the lineup. They have guys like Nick Sierra. You can play catcher in DH, and I'll mention again that we're going to talk to him later in tonight's podcast. But I was really encouraged by what I saw out of the young guys. Nick Dunn, for one, batting over 300 through the first series, four hits already. One of them was maybe a questionable call. His first hit in the Sunday game could have easily been called an error, but you know we'll give it to the freshman second baseman. So I was encouraged by what I saw from him, five total bases, and he's in the three slot, so already coming on as a freshman. And also Madison Nickens, he had the big home run to cap off the six-run inning on Saturday and two other hits on the series. Yeah, I mean, you have to be pleased. You have to... You know, early in the season, it's easy to go, okay, this guy was 1 for 13 in a series or, you know, read too much into the numbers. I think that you got to give it a few series for those sample sizes to really get to the point where you can start relying on them. But I think in terms of looking at the numbers from this weekend, what doesn't concern me is the hits. I think the only number that I look at and maybe get a little concerned by is the strikeouts, 27 over three games. You know, that's one per batter, you know, essentially per game. Uh you know, nine nine per game, you know, each guy striking out once on average. I think that can come down a little bit, and I think that, you know, that'll be interesting to see, you know, if a number like that stays up there, kind of how John Sheff responds to it, uh, just because of how his offensive style has changed over the last couple of years. When he first got to Maryland, it was very small ball oriented. You'd see a guy like Lamont Wade even laying down a bunt out of the two-hole it seemed every game, 
And then last year, there was a little more uh, free reign for these hitters to go out and, and swing for the fences or, or, you know, work the count a little bit more. And I think the same is going to hold true this year. Uh, I think they're just better hitters. You know, you get the recruits that are able to do just that. You saw three two-run homers on Saturday uh, as evidence to that point. But at the same time, and maybe this is just, you know, my gripe with the overall trend in baseball, strikeouts going up, walks going down. Um, but I think especially in college where there are going to be more errors, uh, it's certainly important to put the ball in play. Well, I think it's important to give credit where credit is due from this past weekend. The Alabama pitching staff, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday starters, while they weren't eye-opening or, or breathtaking, they, they got the job done. Jeffrey Bramblett on Friday did a decent job, had six strikeouts. Yes, he had four walks, but he only gave up one run, so he really limited the damage there. And then on Friday night, Jake Walters, he obviously didn't have the best night, but he also had six strikeouts. So the Terps a little bit rusty on offense to begin the season, not seeing the bat to the ball as much and swinging and missing. And then probably the best and most impressive starter of the three was Nick Eicholtz on Sunday. And I talked about the junior on, on the broadcast a little bit, and he was a guy who was supposed to be drafted out of high school and would have been if he didn't make it very clear that he was going to college. And he showed some brilliant stuff his freshman year. That's what the uh, the coaching staff was telling me. And just couldn't put it together on the weekend later last year. So they moved him into the bullpen, and he's trying to get it back this year. And he was – he, was, he did a great job on Sunday. Yeah, he gave up seven hits, but he scattered them across all six of his innings and struck out four. Yeah, and it goes back to when are these hits coming? You know, yesterday the Terps out-hit Alabama, but Alabama got the hits when it mattered. And so you look at it from the offensive standpoint. But also of, keep in mind that on Saturday the Terps were out-hit but outscored Alabama. So it's, it's, right, it goes fair. both ways. But, but to, to my point, you can look at, look at it from the offensive perspective and say, okay, you know, we need to get key hits in key situations, runners on scoring position, two outs, you know, what have you. But then you turn around and look at it from the pitching perspective, and it's so valuable to have a guy who can strand runners on base and scatter those hits, like you said, seven hits over six innings. So it goes both ways. I was also I was also really impressed with some of the young arms that the Terps threw out there, especially on Sunday. Andrew Green, he's a sophomore. He came out, and he's battled some injuries, but and he only threw one pitch, but he looked really good in the preseason, and I think we'll see a lot more of him going forward. Ryan Selmer, obviously, continued to be strong. He threw almost three innings this weekend and struck out four batters. So he's he's really already in midseason form. I think the guy who I was most impressed with, other than you know Rob Galligan, who's going to be the guy that you rely on, the lefty out of the pen, is Cameron Ang. He was a freshman righty who came in in the middle of Sunday's game and showed some really good off-speed stuff, a nice changeup that he was working and really pounding it with a changeup. He was using it almost exclusively, and his fastball can hit the 90s too. So, you know, he might earn the opportunity for a midweek start down the road. Tomorrow will be John Murphy. And again, I'll mention we're going to talk to John later in this podcast as well. But Ang's a guy to keep an eye on also, maybe in long relief or potentially in a midweek starter slot. But I think it's an an interesting point you make on Ryan Selmer. Four strikeouts uh, in two and two-thirds innings this weekend, and I think that's a an area where he certainly wants to improve going into this season. A guy who's six foot seven. You look at his numbers last year, and you kind of would would go, okay, maybe maybe six foot eight, Jake. Maybe six foot eight. That's what he's listed at six foot eight. Either way, you look at a guy that tall, and you would expect a bit more strikeouts. And towards the end of last season, he was getting the job done. But he was more of a ground ball pitcher, and he certainly has the arm slot more of a ground ball pitcher than a power pitcher. Um, but to be able to have a guy like that turn into a guy who can be a power pitcher and get those big strikeouts, especially out of the bullpen, especially in a stopper role, 
would be really big for Ryan Sommer. Yeah, last year Sommer had 19 strikeouts, but also 16 walks. So we'll see maybe an uptick in the strikeout numbers. No walks from Sommer this weekend. And coming out of the bullpen, he and Galligan both nominated for Stopper of the Year. They're on the preseason watch list for that one. And they both showed why this weekend. So with that, that'll be the series against Alabama. That one's in the books. The Terps dropped two of the games but took one. So they're one and two heading into their matchup with VCU. When we come back on the Maryland Baseball Podcast, we'll talk to Nick Sieri. He of the home run this past weekend. You're listening to the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Hi, Terps fans. This is play-by-play broadcaster Jake Eisenberg. Here at the Maryland Baseball Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best and most dedicated coverage of your Terps baseball team. But in order to do so, we need your help. As we enter our second season, we're looking to raise money to continue to bring you the same high-quality broadcast and coverage for as many games as possible. Every dollar raised will go directly into Maryland Baseball Network funds and go toward equipment needs, website fees, and, most importantly, travel funds to allow us to bring you all of the Terps games home and away. To donate, head to GoFundMe.com slash MDBaseballNet. That's GoFundMe.com slash MDBaseballNet. No amount is too big or too small, and, as always, we thank you for and appreciate your support. Want instant info on MBN coverage? Make sure to follow us on Twitter at MDBaseballNet. MBN's Twitter account will update followers on broadcast information and will provide links to all MBN content, including interviews, game recaps, and much more. Again, don't forget to follow the official Twitter handle of the Maryland Baseball Network at MDBaseballNet. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg and Matt Present here. We're joined now by the Terps junior catcher, Nick Sierra. Nick, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? We're, we're doing well. Let's talk about this series against Alabama. You, in particular, had a pretty good series at the plate. You had four hits and ten at-bats in that, that big home run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, was, I, I thought I saw the ball pretty good this weekend for um, an opening series. Um, and just looking to build off that going into this week and hopefully continue to build off that and, and keep it going. You mentioned seeing the ball well. What's your approach, especially early in the season, and how does that change as you get more and more at-bats? Um, just trying to keep it simple, you know, trying to get my pitch to hit, not trying to do too much, um, you know, getting a fastball and, and not trying to chase bad pitches early in the count to, put myself in a hole, and I thought I did a pretty good job this weekend, so I want to try and keep continuing to do that. Take us through that six-run fourth inning from Saturday. You know, you kind of got things started, at least in the scoring department, with that two-run homer to right field, and then to see Papio and Nickens do the same behind you, what was that like in the dugout? Um, I, it, was, it was awesome to see those guys followed up. Um, you know, everybody was really excited, and it was like a big weight off our shoulders because I thought up to that point, struggled to put runs up on the board so so it was a lot of fun that inning and for the rest of the game uh nick talk about this season uh you know what are your goals especially after last season you were limited a bit you played well but suffered an injury what are your goals this season um just to kind of you know relax have fun and 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 you know play play my game i mean you, you can't always control the health aspect of it. So I was just trying to stay as healthy as I can control, um, you know, make sure I'm in the best shape as possible for the season and uh, just going out there and having fun and, and playing the game I love every day. It's almost like you're picking up this season right where you 
left off in the last. You know, last year, just in those 37 games, you hit almost 300. And then over the summer, you had a pretty good summer with the with the Wareham Gatemen. Hit 319. How was, how was that experience? Um, it was a lot of fun, you know. It's always fun getting to um, meet new people from schools around the country and uh, play against some of the best competition. Uh, so I, I met a lot of people. And then, you know, seeing that, that pitching, I think, has really helped me out just like in, in all aspects of the game, hitting and catching. One thing that a lot of guys talk about, you know, in terms of playing summer ball and being around a different group of guys is that you pick up some different tips and tricks and approaches that maybe you hadn't thought of before that, that aren't, you know, things necessarily practiced by your current team. You know, was there anything that stuck out to you that you took away from this summer in that respect? Um, uh, you know, I, I think I learned a lot from just watching the pitching and from our coaches who are, you know, they're older guys who really knew a lot about the game. Um, you just like a lot about what's going on, like what to pick up on pitchers or, or like even calling stuff behind the plate, what to see in batters at the plate, uh, see tendencies better. I, it's all that little stuff I thought I'd be a lot better of in the summer or picked up a lot better in the summer. So let's let's talk about the defensive aspect of catcher just a little bit. You started one game behind the plate, the other two at DH. What strides have you made in the defensive part of your game in the off season that you're kind of bringing to this year? And what are some things that you, that you're working on? Um, I thought I've gotten better at blocking. I, I mean, I always thought I was a pretty good receiver, and we we've kind of worked at those things a lot. And then this is the biggest thing I've been working on lately has been throwing, and I think it's the thing I'm going to continue to work on and, and focus on the most, along with just the all-around aspects of the game. Between you and Justin Morris and the, the freshman catcher Maynard, what are, the, what are the three of you kind of learn from each other and work on with each other, you know, in a regular day of practice? Uh, I mean, if, if we, we all watch each other. I mean, we're all pretty good friends. So, I mean, when we watch each other and we see something, you know, we'll try and help each other out. Uh, I mean, they're, they're both good catchers, so there's no, there's not always a lot to go over. But if we ever see anything, uh, we always give each other tips and, and stuff, and, and help make adjustments for each other. Nick, anytime anyone talks about, you know, the players that were lost after last season to the draft, Kevin Martier is at the top of that list in terms of what he meant to this team. What did you learn from him, and learn by watching him play the position of catcher? Uh, I mean, he was just, good. I mean. His skill level was very good, but I think more importantly, I learned a lot about how he handled the game as a leader and um, as like a catcher, as, as like a captain on the field, uh, how he managed the pitching staff, how he, he saw those tendencies in the opposing team, um, both at the play and behind it. Uh, and I tried to kind of look at that, especially while being injured. I tried to try to see those adjustments that he would make in game, and, and I've worked on uh, trying to do the same. And, uh, I mean, he's still around, you know, in his off season, so, so I'm still in touch with him a lot, and he's helped out a lot. Yeah, I guess you could consider yourself one of the old guys on the team. In fact, like this weekend, I think <laughs> there, was, there was one point where you were the only upperclassman in the infield around, you know, first to third base. It was all freshmen or redshirt sophomores or sophomores, and I think Summer was on the mound. He's a sophomore, and you were behind the plate. Yeah, I mean, I, that's just a testament to the coaching staff and their recruiting and and how they've worked to build this program. Uh, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it definitely bodes well for the future of the program to have so many young guys uh, playing immediately. 
Um, and I, I just think that it doesn't really matter uh, at this point. We just got to go out there and compete the best that we can. Speaking of one of those young guys, John Murphy, he's going to start tomorrow. And I'm sure you've gotten a chance to work with him just a little bit, and we're going to talk to him later tonight. But what's something you've seen from him in, in the fall and early in the spring that you know he'll bring to the table tomorrow against VCU? Uh, well, I've been really impressed with Murphy, with Murph's poise uh, and his hard work. Um, you know, he's worked really hard in the whole fall, off-season, preseason. Uh, I mean, I've been there with him a lot of his hurt, all the conditioning that we've had to do, and and, and I think he's going to have a lot of success, and I'm looking forward to it. Nick, you mentioned the coaching staff here and the recruiting process. You were drafted. Uh, in the 32nd round prior to coming to Maryland by the Giants, at what point did you know that you, for sure that you were coming to Maryland and not going uh, and taking that offer uh, to go pro? And, and what really sold you on coming to school here? Um, well, I mean, once the first day got, got passed, uh, I mean, it was a pretty good idea that I wasn't going to go where it, it was kind of where we wanted to set that limit to where, I would go or not go. I mean, once we were past that, it was a pretty easy decision uh, going into the second and third day. So once the first day was done, I was pretty much sold on Maryland. Um, and just, I mean, I always kind of wanted that college experience. You know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Uh, and, you know, and and also, like, an equal opportunity for great education and great baseball. And at the time, it was at the ACC, but, I mean, in the Big Ten has been just as good. Let's move over to some lighter stuff quickly. You know, we, we want to get a chance to, to know you a little bit better here on the podcast. It's not all business. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Nick. What's maybe one or two things about you, a hobby that you have that, that nobody would be able to know by looking at you? Uh, hobby. That I, um, well, as of the last two weeks or so, I've been big on reading. Uh, in the last two weeks, I've, I've kind of picked up a book. Uh, that I got for Christmas from my parents, and I really liked it. And then on the plane ride home, I bought a couple more books, and then I've been enjoying those recently. What have uh, you What have you been reading? Uh, it's been a couple like of those um, those like Navy SEAL type books. Uh, nothing like the big movies that are coming out. It's like a couple of smaller things. Um, some the one was uh, non fictional. It was based on a real life thing. And then the one I'm reading now is actually fictional, um, but it's, I mean, it's just been really interesting. Any titles or authors we would recognize? Uh, the one I'm reading right now is, um, hold on, I'll look at it, I have it with me, is uh, The Sniper and the Wolf by Scott McEwen. Um, I don't think it's really that, like, a big-time book. Um, but then the next one on the list is Inferno by Don, by Dan Brown. Uh, that's a good one. I've picked that one up myself. Yeah, so that that one will be next after the Sniper and the Wolf. Um, but so I haven't quite gotten there yet, but it looks good. Well, you got plenty of road trips on buses and a couple of flights throughout the season to uh, knock those out. And uh, thanks for joining us tonight, Nick. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. When we come back on the Maryland Baseball Podcast, we'll talk to John Murphy, today's starting pitcher against VCU. We're introducing a new feature to our broadcast this season. 
during the seventh inning stretch, our broadcasters will field questions from you via our Twitter feed. To submit a question, simply tweet at us at MDBaseballNet and use the hashtag AskMBN. Once again, that's hashtag AskMBN. If Twitter is in your speed, feel free to submit a question through the Mixler live chat as well. We look forward to answering your questions during the seventh inning stretch. Wondering when our next broadcast is? Check out our broadcast schedule available at MarylandBaseballNetwork.com, complete with links to each game's broadcast, including which broadcast will be televised on BTN+. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg, Matt Present, your hosts tonight, and we're joined now by starting pitcher John Murphy. He'll take the bump tomorrow when the Terps take on the Rams. John, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. This weekend, you got a taste of your first action collegiately. You didn't get into the game, but you were able to see all of it. What did What did you see this weekend in Alabama that impressed you? It was awesome. It was. It was. It's actually kind of nice to. Uh, it was nice to be able to sit back and take it all in before I get to actually get out there, see what uh, the college, the college uh, baseball level is really like. Watching uh, watching guys that have uh, been there before handle situations and all. It was really cool to watch it all. Speaking of those guys that have been there before, Shawarin, Schaefer, Bloom, what did you see out of them on the mound that you can maybe try and emulate going forward? Well, really just all of them throw strikes. And that's really all you have to do at this level. You just have to hit your spots. Because uh, the, they hit the ball, they hit it, hit it to our guys three out of seven out of ten times. So, I mean, that's all you got to do is throw strikes, and that's all. that's what those three guys do really well. John, at what point were you told you were starting the VCU game, and and what was your reaction to being told that you uh, earned the midweek start? Uh, Chris Bellinger told me on a, a Sunday, and when he told me, I I got pretty pumped up. I, I was ready to go. I wish I I wish I could go. Uh, I wish I could go right then. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be fun to watch you tomorrow. Let's let's talk a little bit about how how you got to Maryland, and you're from. Gloucester Catholic, which is the same place that Schwarn is from. We've talked about this a couple times, but might as well bring it up on the podcast now. You saw him come to Maryland. You're kind of following after him, but also you arguably had the better career at, at your high school than he did. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he missed the whole year, though, so I, <clears throat> I kind of uh, kind of changed things for both of us. When he, uh, when he got hurt his junior year, I got to pitch a lot more. But, um, uh, yeah. How much did seeing him come to Maryland influence your decision to come here? Especially, you know, I'm looking at the other offers that you had recruited by Louisville, LSU, Rutgers, Texas Tech, UCF. Like, what sold you on Maryland, and how much did Mike have something to do with that? Well, for me, like he's really somebody that I can look up to. I've known him for a, for a long time. <clears throat> he's a really good role model. He he carries himself the right way. Um, he's a great pitcher, so he's he's easy to uh, he's easy to follow his footsteps and um, do what he does. Let's take let's take a bit of a deep dive now into into the kind of pitcher that you are. When we see you on the mound tomorrow night, what kind of pitchers are we going to see? What's the mentality and and what's the approach against VCU? Well, um, pitches, fastball, curveball, changeup. And when it comes to approach, I'm just going to attack the batters. I know VCU is going to be pretty good. I know that they made a, um, a super regional last year, so there's just no re- there's no reason not to attack them. <clears throat> Have you watched any film yet on VCU? Do you know their lineup at all? Can, what's the preparation for you going into that game? 
Uh, I haven't looked at anything yet, but I know prior to the game, Coach Ballinger will probably get with me, and we'll we'll talk about what to expect in the lineup probably on the bus trip over to uh, to the field. Taking a look at a bit of some some lighter topics as well, we're looking at your bio on the on the Maryland website, and your sports hero is Brian Dawkins. Yeah, big Eagles fan. Huge Eagles fan, especially especially of uh, Brian Dawkins. The guy was awesome. What is it about him that that makes him your sports hero? Uh, he was just a great leader. He was fun to watch. That old Eagles team was fun to watch, but he really stuck out for me. Just the way he played, 100% every single game. Didn't matter if the Eagles were one and ten or if they were about to make the playoffs. He played 100% every game. Sticking with the the lighter questions, John. What what is something that people don't know about John Murphy that would be interesting to know? Oh oh man. Uh, oh that much. <laughs> um, I don't really know to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we're, putting, we're putting you on the yeah, spot here just a little bit. Any hobbies or or unlikely interests that you have off the field? Uh, not really. I mean, not really any weird hobbies. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's that's a tough question. We put we put Nick on the spot earlier, and he told us he's becoming an avid reader and was reading a lot on the plane. And uh, we also asked him a little bit about you. So I guess, you know, we'll give you some time to think of your, your fun hobby and ask you about Nick. As a catcher, how has he helped you? And I guess this goes for Justin Morris and Danny Maynard as well. How have they helped you kind of grow as a pitcher in the fall and, and early in the spring? Yeah, all three of them have caught me. And uh, they make you look like a lot better of a pitcher. They, they can <laughs> really know how, to, um, they know how to spot up really well, and especially Nick, because I've actually played with him for a long time, too. Um, me, him, and Mike were on the same summer ball team um, after my sophomore seat, after my sophomore year in high school. So he, he's he's been catching me for a while now. That must have been a pretty dominant summer ball team. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. We won the uh, American League World Series that year. Oh, wow. Well, you can bring that success to Maryland. Oh, yeah, Definitely. All right, you've had some time now. You got you got an interesting hobby or fun fact about John Murphy for us? I guess I guess I go with fun fact. Um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, okay. Have you had some conversations with Selmer? Yeah, I, hear, I was gonna say he he's a big Star Wars fan too. <laughs> yeah, me and Selmer talk about Star Wars all the time. <laughs> it, he says he's the biggest fan on the team, though. Is is that fair? Or are you gonna give him a run for his money on that? Uh, I, I'd say I'm a bigger fan. Uh, I've got to come clean here and say that I've actually never seen any single Star Wars movie. No, I haven't either. Wow, I'm missing out, man. You'll have to <laughs> you'll have to educate me, and don't worry, I'll I'll watch them eventually. They've been on my list for a couple of months now. <laughs> Good, you better get on it. I will. Well, anyway, John, we're looking forward to seeing you on the bump tomorrow night. Thanks for thanks for taking the time with us tonight. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, John. When we come back on the Maryland Baseball Network, we'll break down VCU just a little bit. And wrap things up, you're listening to the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. The Maryland Baseball Network isn't just a broadcast network. It's a comprehensive online platform dedicated to bringing you everything Terrapins baseball. Be sure to check out our website by going to www.marylandbaseballnetwork.com where you can find game recaps, podcasts, news, video, and much more. That's marylandbaseballnetwork.com, your home for all things Terps. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg, Matt Present here with you tonight. 
We've heard from Nick Sierra. We've heard from the starting pitcher tomorrow, John Murphy. And now it's time to break down the Virginia Commonwealth University Rams, the Terps' opponent tomorrow. And this is a team that has really come on strong in the past couple of years. They played two times last year against the Terps, one in Richmond and one in College Park. And, in fact, the Rams took both of those, both of them really close scores. So maybe a bit of a revenge grudge against them that the Terps might have tomorrow. Yeah, if you look back on this series over the last several years, Maryland and VCU is, have hooked up twice each year. And aside from a 12-1 Terps win a couple years ago, every single game has been close. And, you know, a lot of people will say, okay, they're an A-10 team, they're a midweek opponent. This is not a midweek opponent. It's a, an opponent that the Terps happen to be playing in the midweek. But like we mentioned earlier, they went to a Super Regional last year. They're a very good team. That's right. Last year, the two games, the first one that was in Richmond went to extra innings, and VCU walked it off. It was a 2-1 to victory, so that was a close one. And then the next day in College Park, VCU won 3-1, to also a really close victory. They Both teams scored a run in the eighth inning, but VCU came out of the top by two runs. Yeah, and they're led by Logan Farrar, and he's a senior now. He's a really, really good player, a local guy from Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia, I got the pleasure to watch him play a couple summers ago with the Bethesda Big Train and the Cal Ripken League. He's a very good hitter, has very good discipline, is able to go with the pitch to all fields, and is fast and covers a lot of ground in center field. So he's he leads that team, but they're, they're an experienced team. I think their pitching staff isn't what it was last year, and that might be to their detriment. They gave up, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, 49 hits in three games this weekend. So that's where the Terps can take advantage. But on the offensive side of things, they have a very good lineup up and down. They do return two of their three best hitters. We mentioned Farrar already. Matt Davis, also a guy who's going to be a factor in the lineup. Didn't have the best weekend, batted under 200, but I'm sure he'll turn things around. He played all 60 games from last year and hit 312. That was the second best average on the team. But the one player that they're missing from their offense last year, Vimeo Machine, who's their shortstop, and he was outstanding. He hit 339, started all 65 games. Drove in 53 runs also, so that's a big catalyst that the Rams will be without. But it doesn't look like they were missing him that much. They won 15-11 to 11 in their opening game. Yeah, a high-scoring offense, like I said. They they won 15-11. to 11. Uh, Their only loss was to Georgia Tech in the three-game series. And, you know, it just came down to they gave up too many hits, and, and their offense didn't show up as much that day. But a very good team. They were in the Dallas Baptist Regional last year, ended up losing to Miami uh, two games to O in the Super Regional uh, down there in South Beach. But just a, a very good team, and it, it will be a challenge uh, for John Murphy and company tomorrow. The listed starter against Murphy tomorrow is another freshman. It's another right-hander. His name is Benjamin Dumb. He's from Elliottsburg, Pennsylvania, went to West Perry High School. He did have an appearance this past weekend through one inning and didn't really fare well, struck out one, but gave up two runs. Yeah, and four hits. Once again, you know, just giving up a lot of hits is has been the problem for VCU so far this year. And like you said, a freshman, and they, they have a lot of turnover on that pitching staff. And let's hope the Terps, who struggled a little bit to score in the Alabama series, can use this as a, as a springboard going into their home opener against Rhode Island. Well, a fun fact about Dumb and Murphy both taking them out at the same time is that not only will there be two freshman right-handers on the mound, but it's two pitchers who hold – their high school records for career wins. At West Perry High School, it's Dumb who's on the record board. He had 34 wins in his career. Also struck out 335 batters over his time 
at West Perry. And the scouting report on him, he's a right-handed pitcher. We mentioned that already. And he throws a lot of strikes. He's got a fastball that is in the upper 80s, maybe touching the low 90s. And we'll see what kind of secondary stuff he has tomorrow as well. But it should be uh, a good matchup between two right-handed freshman arms. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I think it really comes down to that secondary stuff because if you have a guy who isn't overpowering and throws a lot of strikes, that's where you get hit around, it's especially if you have you know trouble locating. And I'm not saying that, that he does. I've never seen him pitch. But you know the Terps are a team that like to hit that fastball early in the count. Well, that was their mentality this weekend. Hitting coach Rob Vaughn was telling him to be aggressive and really sit on that fastball. And if they didn't get it, maybe look for it in a 2-1 count, a 2-0 count, and really go after it more than the off-speed stuff they were seeing from the Alabama starters. But whatever the case, tomorrow the Terps and the Rams will face off in Richmond, Virginia. This one moved up from Wednesday. It was supposed to be on Wednesday, but inclement weather pushing it to Tuesday. We'll be there to bring you all the action live. That game will start at 5 o'clock, and we'll be live probably around 4.30 with our Terps pregame live, and excited to bring you the action. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, it's just a, a great opportunity for Maryland to get a quality win over a midweek opponent. They're, a lot of the midweek opponents they have, they should win. This, another challenging game. And to start off the season with four straight games against teams who were in the, the tournament last season really gives this team a challenge and an opportunity early in the year. That'll do it for the second episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. For Matt Present, I'm Jake Eisenberg. Once again, just a reminder, you can check out all this Terps baseball content on our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com, and follow us on Twitter, at MDBaseballNet, for live game updates and all of our content posted there. And, of course, you can listen live tomorrow when the Terps take on the Rams. We'll get started about 4.30, live from Richmond, Virginia.